happening now, breaking news. The former FBI informant charged with lying about the Biden's dealings in Ukraine told investigators that Russian intelligence officials were involved in passing false information to him about Hunter Biden. Stand by for details on this new court filing. Also tonight, President Biden is set to impose major new sanctions against Russia aimed at holding the Kremlin accountable for the death of opposition leader Alexei Navalny and for nearly two years of war in Ukraine. Plus, Nikki Haley vows to stay in the Republican presidential race for the long haul, calling Donald Trump, and I'm quoting her now, a disaster and declaring she's not afraid of his retribution. The Biden campaign also is turning up the heat on Trump, with the president himself ordering staffers to aggressively attack Trump's most inflammatory remarks. Welcome to our viewers here in the United States and around the world. I'm Wolf Blitzer, you're in the Situation Room. This is CNN Breaking News. And let's get right to the breaking news, a truly bombshell admission to the FBI by an informant on Hunter Biden that Russian intelligence officials were directly involved in passing along bogus dirt on the president's son. CNN senior justice correspondent Evan Perez is working this important story for us. Evan, what are prosecutors now saying about these ties? Well, Alexander Smirnov uh, Wolf uh, was behind those uh, very damaging allegations against President Biden. Uh, one of the things he said to the FBI in 2020 was that he had information indicating that, uh, that Hunter Biden, his son, and the, 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 the then former vice president were going to get $5 million apiece in order to help fix some business uh, for Burisma, which was a Ukrainian uh, energy company. According to the FBI, according to the Justice Department, none of that is true. He is charged with uh, lying to the FBI and falsifying uh, records. Now, what the uh, this new court filing, which just came in in the last hour, says that after Smirnov was arrested by the FBI last week, he said the following. He said uh, that uh, Smirnov admitted that officials associated with Russian intelligence were involved in passing a story about Hunter Biden. Business person one is the one is what the, the Justice Department refers to uh, in this uh, filing, but it is Hunter Biden that they are referring to. Now, Smirnov is uh, due before uh, a judge in the, the in the next few uh, minutes. Wolf, uh, the uh, the FBI and the Justice Department want him to remain detained while he faces these new charges, uh, and so we'll find out whether a judge agrees to keep him detained. But one of the arguments that the Justice Department is making is that he has extensive contacts with intelligence uh, officers not only in in Russia but in other countries as well and they say that he is that he poses a flight risk wolf yeah I just went through this what nearly 40 or 50 page uh, uh, charge this uh, government's memorandum in support of detention right. of this uh, defendant Alexander Smirnov and it's got a lot of incredible inc incredible details what wider fears does all this raise well, one of the things that the, uh, that the Justice Department uh, and Special Counsel David Weiss is making uh, here in this filing, Wolf, is that uh, this, has not, this not only refers to or has, uh, has to do with the 2020 election, uh, but that the, this, this also call, uh, calls into question uh, whether Smirnov is part of an effort to influence the next election, the 2024 election. I'll read you just a part of this, uh, that, he's, that the, the Justice Department says, uh, this information that he is spreading is not 
confined to 2020. He is actively peddling new lies that could impact U.S. elections after meeting with Russian intelligence officials in November. The, uh, the, the uh, prosecutors in this filing will point out that he has business trips uh, planned overseas. Uh, and of course, uh, the people who he is associated with, again, people who, he, who according to the Justice Department, uh, are uh, people associated with intelligence agencies overseas, that they could essentially help influence U.S. elections that are coming up. Wolf. Yeah, a lot of incredible details in this document. Evan, stay with us. I want to bring in some of our legal, political, and Russia experts to assess what's going on. Susan Glasser, I'll start with you. This is truly a remarkable development right now. What does it tell you about the extent and sophistication of Russian disinformation? Well, what leaps out here, of course, is not only that uh, that the FBI and the Justice Department have made this arrest and made these charges of false statements, but that these false statements appear to have made their way into the American political process and been amplified uh, by key Republican members of Congress, of course, who have been pursuing President Biden and his son, Hunter Biden. They've been seeking any uh, evidence on which to base uh, an impeachment case against Biden. That's been one of the demands of Donald Trump, in effect, that uh, his successor should face the same kind of investigation that he, Donald Trump, faced. And, you know, I just think it's remarkable to see if we can trace the chain of these false statements about President Biden directly into the American political process and being amplified by important uh, Republican members of Congress as they've sought unsuccessfully so far to get uh, President Biden uh, uh, under an impeachment investigation. A very important point. Uh, Let me bring Kerry Cordero into this conversation. Kerry, what do you make of the allegations and the case that the prosecutors are now making against Smirnoff? Well, the more it unfolds, Wolf, I think it's pretty troubling, in particular because this confidential informant um, appears to have been an informant for the FBI dating back to 2010. So this is an individual that the FBI, that the Justice Department had trusted for a really long time. And so although last week the charges that were brought against him were just you know one count of false statements and one count of falsification of records in a federal investigation, these, this new information reveals that there's an entire counterintelligence side of it. And, you know, having um, covered, you know, going back to 2016 now, Russian efforts to influence U.S. elections, it just feels to me that uh, perhaps the FBI and the Justice Department don't have quite a good a handle on it in figuring out ways to be able to effectively warn lawmakers, warn the public warn policymakers when these efforts are underway. So I think it's good that they finally figured out that he was lying to them and that he was um, relaying information provided by Russian intelligence. But I think there's more to unpack here. Yeah, there certainly is. And Gloria, Gloria Borger is with us as well. We've heard Republicans repeatedly tout this indicted uh, ex-FBI informant's information and credibility. Listen and watch this. Let me play some clips real of a bribery scan joe biden bribery scandal allegation is this well every day this bribery scandal becomes more credible we already know the president took bribes from burisma even a trusted fbi informant has alleged a bribe to the biden family the most corroborating evidence we have is that 1023 form from this highly credible confidential human source according to u.s attorney scott brady 
So, Gloria, how do you think they will now respond to this? Well, I think, you know, they've got a lot to answer for, as uh, as Carrie was saying, also, so does the FBI. I mean, this has gone from being just a fabrication, which was charged, to a charge about uh, Smirnov being essentially uh, a Russian operative here, taking information from the Russians that was false and passing it along to uh, to uh, Republicans on the committee and portraying himself as a trusted FBI agent, which he apparently might have been. And so there's, as Carrie was saying, there's an awful lot to unravel here. But in the short term, I think we can say that Republicans don't have a leg to stand on anymore when it comes to this investigation into Hunter Biden, because he was allegedly their main credible source for the notion of bribes of $5 million each going to the president and Hunter Biden. And now he's been completely discredited. Yeah, by the U.S. government and the special counsel, the Justice Department. Evan, let me get back to you. What do you know about why it took so long for federal officials to reveal this information against Smirnoff? According to the court records, uh, Wolf, the FBI last year in 2023 asks David Weiss, the, the, the U.S. attorney who's been doing all of these investigations, uh, to take a look at this and to, to, to look into uh, whether uh, Smirnoff was lying. And so what we don't know is what happened between 2020 and 2023. Uh, David Weist, again, the special counsel who was, has been charged with, with uh, looking into Hunter Biden's business dealings, has brought two charges, two separate cases against Hunter Biden in L.A. and in, uh, in, in Delaware. The question is, what has he been doing in the intervening period to look into this? And the question is also for the FBI uh, whether they, they ever really verified some of the claims of their informant. Uh, you know, part of the issue here is that, well, uh, you know, this is a guy who, according to the FBI, was associated with a number of intelligence agencies. And so I'm sure they viewed him as very, very, uh, very valuable source of information. But once that information then became part of the political uh, discussion, where Republicans started leaning on, on his information and making it public, uh, the question is, what does the FBI do to try to make sure that these claims are at least verified before they're, they're, again, they're put out there in the political sphere. Yeah, it's really a damning uh, charge uh, in this 28-page, nearly 30, 40-page uh, charge that has just been uh, released officially. Susan, what concerns do you have about the November presidential election, given what we're learning here? Well, Wolf, I was thinking, you know, it's, it's so notable that this disinformation from what appears to be uh, Russian uh, intelligence sources makes its way into the U.S. political system because it's pushing on an open door. In effect, it was offering Republican members of Congress on Capitol Hill, uh, Republican uh, pro-Trump commentators on television, exactly what they wanted to hear about Joe Biden. And so, you know, it shows how manipulable our political system is, and it shows how open we are, uh, especially uh, as Russians become savvy to what it is uh, the American political system wants to hear from their operatives, and they seem intent upon giving it to them. And I do think it underscores 
that uh, Vladimir Putin is very clear about the stakes in the 2024 presidential election. Uh, and, uh, you know, he has every incentive in the world, of course, to keep his deadly war going in Ukraine until the election, because there's one candidate, Donald Trump, who's made it clear that he would not be providing the same support to Ukraine. Yeah, that's an important point as well. Guys, thank you very, very much. Just ahead, we're going to have much more on the breaking news. A key former National Security Council official, Alexander Vindman, is standing by live. We'll get his reaction to this bombshell news. We'll be right back. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. This week on Chasing Life. I'm a health reporter and have been for 15 years. And even I feel overwhelmed by some of the things I read about the stuff we're eating. My colleague Meg Terrell wanted to take a deep dive into something you've probably heard a lot about recently. Ultra processed foods. There is a lot to learn there, some fascinating stuff. And some of it is probably going to change the way you shop. Listen to Chasing Life wherever you get your podcasts. We're back with the breaking news. New court documents just released revealing that an indicted informant admitted to the FBI that he got dirt about Hunter Biden from Russian intelligence officials. Joining us now, the former National Security Council official, retired Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman. Colonel Vindman, thanks so much for joining us. What's your reaction to this filing uh, that uh, this FBI informant, a guy by the name of Alexander Smirnov, was fed fake dirt on the Bidens by Russian intelligence. And how does this fit into the pattern of how Russia actually operates? You know, we use the term bombshell uh, pretty often, but I think this is some bombshell reporting. The reason is that it clarifies certain certain uh, facets of Russia's influence operation to interfere in elections almost a decade back, 2016, 2020, and 2024. Uh, it certainly shows their tradecraft in using witting agents uh, Smirnov is under arrest because he's assessed to be a witting agent, uh, more than likely. And uh, the fact that I think from an intelligence perspective, from the Russian perspective, they see a large number of Republican political leaders as unwitting agents uh, carrying forward Russian disinformation. So that's a pretty interesting picture that it paints of how the Russians are interfering, co-opting the Republican Party uh, to do their bidding to um, tip the scales and, and Trump's favor. The other thing that's really interesting is it may clarify some of Trump's in, uh, uh, intentions, why he is catered so hard towards Russia, why he invited just, you know, within the past two weeks, he invited Russia to attack a NATO member, a grave danger for U.S. troops, a grave danger for U.S. troops. Why? 
because he's looking for that quid pro quo that he's been searching for, for, for uh, from 2016 forward, whether it's emails, whether it's solicitations to Russia to share intelligence to deliver uh, some some sort of information on corruption. Uh, that is why he's probably working so, um, you know, he's leaning so far into engaging with Russia because he's looking for any and every means to win uh, the 2020 elections and tip the scales in his favor. I witnessed it when I was in the White House and reported uh, presidential corruption. It carries through to 2024. Very, very dangerous. I remember, Colonel, when you testified in the then President Trump's first impeachment hearing where he was accused of pressuring Ukraine to investigate the Biden's business ties uh, over there in Ukraine. How does that inform you now, now that you view this latest development? Well, so those were Russian uh, Russian agents back then also. These these were Russian agents um, feeding dirt on uh, this corruption, uh, this so-called corruption scheme with Burisma, which frankly, nobody's found any credible uh, uh, reporting indicating that um, President Biden was in any way involved. Certainly there's no dispute that Hunter Biden was on the board receiving uh, money, but there's no implication of of, uh, President Biden being involved in this. But uh, these were Russian agents back then. These have been Russian agents, uh, Russian officers running Russian agents all the way through to this day. And it is a really uh, deeply disturbing that swaths of the Republican political elite have been co-opted to carry forward Russian influence operations to interfere in U.S. elections. Uh, that I think the Republicans, unfortunately, are not likely to change their tune. They'll say that it's uh, interference, that the FBI now is you know, looking to spoil the, that uh, impeachment inquiry. I don't think they're going to go, uh, they're going to um, adjust their narrative, but it's deeply dangerous and the American public needs to know uh, what is going on and how Russia is interfering with the help of the Republican Party and Donald Trump. This uh, U.S. filing uh, against Smirnov also says Smirnov's contacts were extensive, recent, and not trivial. And I'm quoting now, the false information he provided was not trivial. It targeted the presumptive nominee of one of the two major political parties in the United States. The effects of Smirnov's false statements and fabricated information continue to be felt to this day. Colonel, do you think uh, the U.S. is taking this threat of Russian interference in the 2024 presidential election seriously enough? I think the Biden administration is, uh, to a certain extent, the Trump uh, administration also, at the professional level, looked to harden our elections to make sure that they weren't uh, subject to cyber attacks. But influence operations are a different, a, a different animal entirely. Uh, really, it's about um, inserting messages, uh, finding uh, receptive audiences, and sowing uh, chaos, disinformation, uh, casting both candidates as corrupt. So uh, it, it definitely clarifies the point um, on what the what the Russians are doing. What's a little bit disturbing, frankly, is that uh, sources go through annual vetting, uh, and uh, they get repeatedly assessed for uh, how effective they are, how credible they are. And for somebody like this individual to to be assessed as credible, continue to provide a reporting, um, there, I think there's something that fell through the cracks in terms of screening. And uh, this, this should have never happened. And certainly Congress should have been warned about the fact that they were communicating with a witting agent of uh, the Russian intelligence services. Yeah, they, they got to learn the lessons of this to make sure it doesn't happen again. Alexander Vindman, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks Just ahead.
Nikki Haley vows to stay in the race against Donald Trump, even as she risks an embarrassing loss in her home state of South Carolina. Plus, President Biden urges his campaign staff to go after Trump's most outrageous and inflammatory remarks. We have details on the new strategy, and we'll have those for you right after a quick break. Tonight, Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley is vowing to keep campaigning against GOP frontrunner Donald Trump until, as she put it, the last person votes. Listen. Some of you, perhaps a few of you in the media, came here today to see if I'm dropping out of the race. Well, I'm not. Let's bring in CNN's Kylie Atwood uh, in uh, Haley's home state of South Carolina, where the former governor's campaigning only four days before the GOP primary there. Kylie, uh, Haley went on to say uh, why she is staying in the race. Tell our viewers what she said. Yeah, Nikki Haley said she refuses to quit. She's not going to cave. She's willing to take the cuts and bruises to keep her campaign alive, saying that the American people deserve to have a choice, deserve to have their voice heard. And she articulated once again her case that she believes that she is the best younger candidate, the best younger option for the American public. Uh, just listen to what she said going after Trump and Biden for their age in a very sharp way today. Trump and Biden are two old men who are only getting older. Nearly 60% of Americans say Trump and Biden are both too old to be president. Because they are. We've all seen them fumble their words and get confused about world leaders. We're talking about the most demanding job in human history. You don't give it to someone who's at risk of dementia. Now, Nikki Haley said that on Sunday, the day after the South Carolina primary, her campaign is still going to be alive. She talked about the fact that 10 days after the South Carolina primary, there are 21 uh, states and territories that are going to vote. She committed to staying in the race. One thing she didn't do, however, Wolf, was get into the delegate math and the Trump campaign, for their part, trying to undercut her argument today by putting out a memo noting that they believe that they're going to clinch enough delegates for Trump to actually have the Republican nomination by March 12th or March 19th. Wolf. Kylie Atwood in South Carolina for us. Kylie, thanks very much. Joining us now from South Carolina, another former Republican governor from that state, Mark Sanford, also with us, CNN senior political commentator, the former Obama senior advisor, David Axelrod. And Governor Sanford, I'll start with you. A recent poll in your state of South Carolina showed Nikki Haley losing to Trump in her home state by more than 30 points, 65 percent to 30 percent. You said it would be a, a it would take a meteor strike for her to win South Carolina. So why do you think she's actually staying in this race now? You know, I, I suspect there are probably a, a couple of reasons. You know, w one would be, you know, in, in politics, and, and we're all ultimately bars of soap or bottles of shampoo, you know, if, if you're going to brand, then stick with your brand. And I think a number of these candidates, former candidates, have done horrible harm to their own brand by saying, wait, I'm against Trump, but oh, no, I'm going to suck up to Trump. So I, I think it's locking in her brand, which I think is pretty smart. Two, a cardinal rule of politics is pick your flavor. You know, you're either pro-life or pro-choice, for instance, for, you know, for most folks. 
And the people who say, well, you know, I'm pro-life. Well, no, I'm pro-choice. No, I'm pro-life. Again, it confuses folks. So I think that there's a consistency message that matters. And then finally, I think at this point in the game, though she was originally a Trump supporter not that long ago, she has locked in on this flavor. And I think it gets personal at this stage of the campaign when you're four days out. Yeah, today may have been uh, the strongest statements she's made so far against Trump uh, during this campaign. David Axelrod, the Trump campaign released a memo today about the South Carolina primary, which reads in part, and let me quote from it, Nikki Haley's campaign ends Saturday, February 24th, fittingly in her home state, rejected by those who know her the best. David, how damaging uh, do you think a massive defeat in, in her state where she serves as governor would be to her campaign? Well, I don't think you have to be a political uh, uh, commentator or uh, politician to, to, to know that getting beaten in your home state is always bad. Uh, for months and months and months, she'd been pointing to South Carolina as the place where she was going to uh, break through. Listen, she is game. She is tough. She's proven that. Uh, but when she says, I'm not going anywhere, that can have two meanings. And it's not really clear where she's going here. Uh, she's not in a position to win her home state. I think she's really hoping to win a delegate or two in her home state. It's winner take all statewide and by district. There's maybe one congressional district where she could win some delegates. And then when you look down the, the field, Wolf, it's really hard to see where she picks up delegates. And at the end of the day, running for president is about accumulating delegates to be the nominee. And it's very, very clear. This is Donald Trump's party right now. Well, I have you, David. Let's turn to President Biden's campaign. CNN has now learned that he's given his top campaign officials new marching orders to more aggressively attack the wildest, most inflammatory statements from Trump. One senior campaign advisor saying the Biden team has been surprised by how many voters <coughs> appear to have put, and I'm quoting now, rose-colored glasses on when looking back at the Trump years. Is that the right strategy? Do you think that they can pull this off? Yeah, well, listen, better late than never. I think this should have been the strategy for some time. And I'm not sure that it's just the things that he says. It's the things that he does. In the last few weeks, you've seen President Trump single-handedly block the single uh, most stringent border security measure uh, that the Congress has taken up that was agreed to by Republicans, Democrats, and the president. He single-handedly stopped it because he said, we, we don't want to give them this. We don't want to give this issue away. So let's keep the crisis going. Uh, we've seen what happened in the last few days uh, relative to Ukraine and, and Russia. Uh, he had nothing to say to this day. He really hasn't said anything about Navalny, hasn't condemned uh, Putin, has condemned NATO, but not Putin, and has uh, bridled the Congress from funding Ukraine as Ukraine is losing territory for lack of ammunition. There is plenty of stuff to talk about relative to Donald Trump, and they should, because no, it's very hard for a president to win a referendum in this day and age. Uh, and, and for Biden, this is particularly true, uh, you know, partly because of the age issue and, and, and partly because of the sour mood of the country. Uh, he needs this to be a choice and he needs to focus on that choice. So I fundamentally believe they're right, uh, a little late to it, but I'd lean even further in. Interesting. You know, Governor Sanford, uh, Biden, President Biden was asked today about his preferred opponent for the November presidential election. This is what he said. Listen. Who would you rather challenge in November, Nikki Haley or Donald Trump? Oh, I don't care. 
You buy that? Uh, President Biden once said he wasn't sure he'd be running if it weren't for Trump. Yeah, I, I don't buy it. I mean, it's, it's, it's political bravado. Uh, I, I, I think that uh, Nikki would give him a real run for the money and he'd be in trouble. I, 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 I think that there are any number of polls that have laid that out. I think that Trump's going to give him a run for the money. Um, uh, if they don't sort of gear it up, as David was just suggesting, with some of the issues that I think are at play and would resonate with voters. So I, I, I think he does care. I think his team cares. Uh, but, you know, that's what you say in the world of politics before uh, facing <laughs> your opponent, because you sure don't want to uh, put up a white flag ahead of time and suggest you're worried. Yeah, good point. Uh, Governor Sanford, thanks so much for joining us. David Axelrod, always good to have you here in the Situation Room as well. Appreciate it. And just ahead, how President Biden is vowing to respond after the death of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny. Much more news coming up. We'll be right back. I'm Ina Garten. Welcome to Be My Guest, the podcast. One of the best gifts you can give friends is spending time together. But what's even better than that? Cooking with them. On Be My Guest, the podcast, new friends and old stop by my barn for some conversation and great cooking. We talk about food life, and everything in between. Listen to Be My Guest, the podcast with me, Ina Garten, and join us wherever you get your podcasts. Right now, we want to check in uh, over at the White House as we follow breaking news on the new filing by the U.S. Justice Department alleging a former FBI informant has now admitted getting dirt on Hunter Biden from Russian intelligence officials information prosecutors now say was false. Let's go to CNN senior White House correspondent, MJ Lee. MJ, any reaction, at least so far, from the Biden camp? Wolf, it's not clear whether we will hear anything official from the White House uh, about this, though, as you know, the White House has been pretty consistent in talking about the Republican impeachment inquiry that is based on Smirnoff's claims, but they see that as being politically motivated and basically totally bogus. I think, if anything, we could end up hearing directly from President Biden at some point in the next few days as he's on this West Coast swing. If he does get asked about this latest development, uh, you'll recall that last Friday, after delivering remarks about Alexei Navalny, when a reporter asked him about Smirnov, we got a pretty uh, fiery response from the president uh, saying that he was lying, the in inquiry, impeachment inquiry should be dropped uh, altogether, and saying that all of this had been outrageous from uh, the very beginning. So clearly, this is something that the president is amped up about, not to mention the very sort of grave and serious uh, implications that all of this has uh, for Russia's attempts to influence politics here in the U.S., Wolf. As you know, MJ, we did hear from President Biden earlier today about the new sanctions uh, against Russia that are clearly now in the works. Tell our viewers what he's saying. We did. The president confirmed that a new round of sanctions against Russia is going to be coming uh, on Friday. This was expected uh, ever since news of Alexei Navalny's death uh, broke. Uh, he uh, said that the timing, uh, or indicated at least, that the timing is not a coincidence. This is according to uh, actually U.S. officials speaking afterwards. Uh, given that Saturday happens to be the two-year mark of Russia's invasion into Ukraine, this is the president earlier today. I told you we'd be announcing sanctions on Russia. We'll have a major package announced on Friday. I'll be happy to sit with you all when doing that, okay? 
Now, U.S. officials, of course, have been uh, careful not to telegraph exactly what that package of sanctions is going to look like. But Jake Sullivan, the president's national security advisor, uh, did uh, describe this as a substantial package. He said that it would be uh, a wide range of targets that come in this package, uh, particularly aimed at Russia's defense industry, as well as revenue that fuels uh, Russia's war machine. This is according to Jake Sullivan. So uh, this obviously comes as the White House is continuing to urgently call on House Republicans to take action to pass a national security bill uh, that would fund uh, Ukraine's war efforts to the tune of some $60 billion. That, of course, remains stalled on Capitol Hill right now, Wolf. Yeah, they're in recess right now. MJ Lee reporting from the White House. Thank you. Let's get some more right now on Alexei Navalny's death and the reaction. CNN's chief global affairs correspondent, Matthew Chance, is joining us live from Moscow right now. Matthew, give us the latest information you're getting. Yeah, well, there's been some significant uh, developments here, particularly a lot of controversy surrounding the promotion uh, of the deputy, deputy director of the Russian Federal Prison Service. His name is Valery Boyarinov, and he's been promoted to the rank of Colonel General, something that was announced on an internal website but has been reported by the state media here in Russia. It's controversial because it comes just a few days, four days after the death of Alexei Navalny, that prominent Russian opposition leader in one of the prisons that that service runs. Um, and so that's why it's caused such outrage, particularly amongst Navalny's supporters. The head of Alexei Navalny's anti-corruption foundation, Ivan Zdanov, uh, saying this is a personal award for torture and murder from Putin. Uh, um, now, the Kremlin, of course, has denied there's any connection between the death of Navalny and, and this promotion. But it comes uh, as all this controversy continues to boil up here with, most recently, the uh, mother of uh, Navalny, Ludmila Navalny, um, moving 2,000 miles or so uh, to the north of the country here in Russia to try and get access to the remains of her son, uh, failing and now making a personal appeal to Vladimir Putin to intervene. Take a listen. I'm addressing you, Vladimir Putin. The solution to the issue depends only on you. Let me finally see my son. I demand that Alexei's body be immediately handed over so that I can bury him humanely. So an emotional appeal there from Navalny's mother. But you know, shortly after she made those remarks um, you know, to the camera there, it was announced here in Russia that her other son, Oleg, uh, Oleg Navalny, Alexei Navalny's brother, has also been announced to, by, by the prosecutors to be on the police uh, wanted list. It's not clear what he's suspected of, but it does indicate that the authorities here are not easing up the pressure at all on the Navalny family. Not at all. Matthew Chance in Moscow for us. Thank you. Just ahead, prosecutors unveil new charges in the Kansas City Super Bowl rally shooting. Stay with us. You're in the Situation Room. We're following breaking news. Two new arrests in last week's deadly Kansas City Super Bowl rally shooting. CNN's Josh Campbell is gathering new information for us. Josh, so what do we know about the new charges? 
Yeah, well, so we had previously reported on two juveniles who had been taken into custody. This is now a separate set of charges. Prosecutors there in Kansas City today announcing that two adult men have now been charged with murder. Their names, Lindell Mays and Dominique Miller. I'll read you uh, part of the charges. The most significant include second-degree murder, which if convicted, uh, that could lead them up to life in prison. Another charge of unlawful use of a weapon, specifically firing at someone. If convicted, they face up to 15 years in prison uh, there. Now, authorities uh, for days have been pouring over this large-scale crime scene. We know that there was chaos. There were multiple shots that were ringing out. Just today, prosecutors gave us some new clarity on the timeline. What was occurring before the sh first uh, shot was fired? Have a listen. Defendant Mays was in a verbal argument with another individual. That argument very quickly escalated to Mays drawing his firearm almost immediately. Others pulled their firearms. The evidence tells us that it was Mr. Miller's firearm. Mr. Miller's firearm struck Lisa Lopez Galvin. Now, this is grim, but this is what investigators are dealing with. This one victim, Lisa Lopez Galvin, authorities uh, actually pulled a 38 caliber round from her, matched that to one of the weapons that was in possession uh, of one of these individuals. Now, CNN is attempting to locate attorney information uh, for them. We do know that not only are they in custody, Wolf, they're also still in the hospital. These two individuals were victims in the shooting. As you had this dispute, multiple people pulling out weapon, shooting, uh, shooting in different uh, places. Again, they injured, they were injured in this process. Interesting. I understand also, Josh, that investigators are calling for additional victims to actually come forward. No, that's right. Authorities say they know the number of gunshot wounds that were suffered. What they don't know is how many people may have been injured fleeing. You can imagine the chaos as shots are ringing out. People are fleeing over fences and, you know, there could be this uh, trampling stampede effect. Authorities say that if you were injured on that day, they want to hear from you. What does that tell us? That tells us that authorities are still building this case and likely are going to try to bring every possible charge that they can down to every person who was injured against the people that they believe were responsible, Wolf. Josh Campbell reporting thank you, and we'll be right back with more news. New developments today at the United Nations Security Council, where the United States has now vetoed an Algerian resolution calling for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza, claiming it would have hurt efforts to release hostages. The veto comes one day after the U.S. released its own draft proposal for a temporary ceasefire at the U.N. Security Council amid growing American frustration with Israel's war against Hamas. Meanwhile, the war in Ukraine is bringing two of America's biggest adversaries closer together, and the repercussions of the relationship are being felt in the war-torn country. Brian Todd is monitoring the story for us. Brian, what does this growing Russia-North Korea alliance mean for U.S. national security interests? Wolf, it means that America's ally in Kyiv not only has to contend with Vladimir Putin's army and its arsenal, but also with hundreds of North Korean artillery shells and missiles, which we've just learned have American-made parts in them. A startling discovery on the battlefield in Ukraine. A ballistic missile fired by Russian forces against Ukraine. A missile made in North Korea, but which contains hundreds of components which trace back to American and European companies. The investigative group Conflict Armament Research examined the missile, recently recovered in Kharkiv, Ukraine. A missile that has U.S.-made navigational components crucial to hitting Ukrainian targets. 
They will help the missile to determine the location where it is, where it needs to be to process um, a large amount of data uh, that the missile needs to process in order to guide itself towards its target. The group doesn't name the American companies whose parts are in the missile. And the manufacturers most often do not have any visibility over the end user of their components. So for us, it's a bit it's a bit useless to try to point finger at producers and manufacturers. Illicit technology is just one part of a larger problem, growing military ties between Kim Jong-un and Vladimir Putin, ties that have been strengthened with a luxury gift to the North Korean dictator from his Russian counterpart. The Russian limo that Putin showed Kim when the two met last year Putin just sent Kim a similar model called an Oris, according to North Korean state media. The Russian president possibly trying to one-up former President Trump, who showed Kim the American presidential limo, a Cadillac nicknamed the Beast, when the two met in Singapore in 2018. Kim's managed to move around in several high-end vehicles over the years, including a black Rolls-Royce and armored Mercedes Maybach Pullman Guard limousines. The problem is, under U.N. sanctions, Kim's not supposed to have these luxury cars. He smuggles them in, then turns around to flaunt his apparent fleet of limos. North Korea's commercial facilitators overseas have global reach that stretches not only in Northeast Asia, but also to uh, places like Europe as well. Kim now reaping the prestige of high-profile summits and the symbolic value of red carpets and limousine rides. And that certainly enhances Kim's stature. It shows that he's a... Uh, an equal on the world stage, and it also has probably an impact domestically, showing Kim is the great leader, that he uh, can deliver for North Korea, even though the economic conditions remain dismal. North Korea has been banned from importing luxury goods since 2006, but that has not stopped the regime from smuggling in items like high-end watches, yachts, cognac and other expensive liquor, even ski lifts for the resort which only North Korean elites can use. Wolf, we've also done features on his other high-end modes of transportation. He's got an armored train. He's got a, a private plane that was custom-made just for him. He gets around in some pretty incredible uh, machinery. Very interesting indeed, Brian Todd. Thank you very much for that report. And to our viewers, thanks very much for watching. I'm Wolf Blitzer in the Situation Room. The news continues next on CNN. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.